Amen. Amen. So a movement was born this weekend. Uh, it's a long time in the making. Uh, many men have poured into my life, including my senior pastor, J.P. Jones. It's all kind of led to this, and it was so exciting just to see uh, the Holy Spirit fall on men, to see him tell them who they are, because when you know, when you know who you are, you know what to do. Amen? When you know who you are, you know what to do. And uh, it's exciting to think that from this fellowship here at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California, that God is igniting a tidal wave of spirit-empowered revival in cities and churches all over the country. I just came back from a day trip to Austin to meet with our Austin partners, uh, Detroit, New York, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and on and on and on. And uh, just so exciting to see what's happening. Pray for this movement. Uh, pray for uh, Everyman Ministries. Without apology, I ask for prayer because uh, as Brother Andrew uh, used to say, uh, that the battle is won in prayer, and what you do when you show up is the mop-up operation. Amen? <laughs> All right? Uh, we, we wage war with weapons not made with hands, but with spiritual weapons that are good for the destruction of strongholds. And so I have no illusions. This isn't about me. Uh, this is about a movement of the Spirit of God. You're a part of it. I'm so glad you're joining us. And for those guys that are, are joining us from the conference, actually with this community now, out of, out of the conference, um, welcome. So uh, we're going to continue our series. It's called Driving Forces. If you have a Bible, you'll want to pull out Psalm 103. Just uh, put a marker there. I want to start with a little story that I, I just read out of Mumbai, India. An Australian woman named Kate Nichol met a beautiful young woman named Muscan who was enslaved to a brothel owner. And in that moment, as they both learned how to do henna tattoos, Kate Nichol knew what to do. You see, Muscan was sold into human slavery by her father, who owed a debt. And she was permanently in the possession of a pimp who demanded 20,000 rupees for her freedom, which she could really never work off. And so working with a group called Oasis India, Kate Nichol met Muscan at a henna tattoo class that somehow, miraculously, she was allowed to attend. And so knowing Muscan's story and that she's going to be held until the purchase price for her freedom is paid, Kate Nichol decides in that moment, I'm going to do it. And so she contacts a friend, miraculously, during that class, they get 20,000 rupees, and they book a train ticket online. They march the $400, which is what the equivalent is in U.S. dollars, over to the pimp, hand him an envelope. He grants Muscan her freedom, and they walk her to this train station, and the next day she's back with her family and her daughter. You see, Muscan was what the Bible calls redeemed from her sexual slavery by Kate Nichol. And her freedom had been won by what the Bible would call a redeemer. Everyone say a redeemer. A redeemer. That's right. Now let's read our key passage from Psalm 103. Ready? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name 
Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Everybody say redeemed and then say renewed. You see, when you're redeemed, you're renewed inside. Amen? When the, the price for your freedom is paid. You think Muscan was kind of excited at her second bid for freedom? Yes, she was. She getting on that train. So let's unpack that a little bit in, in the context of this third driving force. The first driving force we looked at is our forgiveness. and That should be a driving force in our lives. The second driving force was our healing and that God's he- a healer, and that healing that he gives us spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, relationally should be a driving force in our life. Now we're looking at our redemption, and when we look at that, we gotta, we got to understand a few things. Number one, we have to understand that I am in a, cap- a condition of captivity. I am in a ca- condition of captivity. And it goes to that part of you that wants to do the wrong thing. Anybody have that part of you? Anybody in the room? Can we have a cup of honesty this morning here at Bible study? There's a part of us that wants to do the wrong thing. And it usually is tied to uh, a little word that's spelled S-E-L-F. We want to self-gratify. We want to be self-important, right? We want to self-preserve. We want to self-protect. We look after ourselves naturally instead of looking after others. Secondly, we have to to understand that we're stuck in that depravity until someone pays the purchase price to redeem us from that condition. Write that down. I am stuck in what the Bible calls my depravity. I will look after myself at the expense of other people and at the expense of my relationship with God and others. It's my permanent condition unless someone pays the price. So third, that's the next observation, I am in need of liberty from my slavery, the Bible says. I am stuck in a condition of total depravity. I am going to be there for now and for eternity. It's going to separate me from God eternally because he's holy and I'm unholy. And then I need someone to liberate me from my slavery. Who is going to buy my freedom? Well, let's listen to a man whose freedom was bought and the condition that he was in and how he feels about it. Romans chapter 7, we're listening to the Apostle Paul talk about his redemption. Let's read that together. Ready? I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do but I am doing the very thing I hate. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ was Paul's redeemer. Can you put your finger to your chest and say, Jesus Christ is my redeemer? Ready? Jesus Christ is my redeemer. How do you feel about your redeemer? Do you have positive feelings toward your Redeemer? Are you grateful for your redemption today, this moment? 
It's a driving force, right? Can you imagine Muscat getting on the train back to go to her family when she thought she was forever stuck, never going to be able to pay back the, the purchase price for her freedom? Every day she had to wake up. And yet, Kate Nickel, in a moment of, I got to do something, pays the purchase price. Jesus Christ saw you. You're just like Muscan. You're sold to that pimp called sin and Satan. And you're stuck. And you're not getting out. And then he came. The king left his throne to die on a cross for you to pay the purchase price. And all you had to do was say yes to his person and say yes to his work on your behalf. You see, guys, that, that's a game changer, right? We talk about game-changing things in your life. That right there is the game changer that should permanently alter the trajectory of your purpose in life. So let's talk about the heavy price that was paid. Let's talk about the beautiful result, and let's talk about what it's like to be a redeemed man. All right, let's look at the heavy price. Let's read Romans 3, 23 through 25. Ready? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood. The first thing that we need to understand and internalize is that my redemption is costly. You know, 400 bucks may not seem like a lot to you here in the West. To Muscan, it was like a million dollars that she would never have. So when that happened, I was like, what, what? Wait, what? You know, when you're thinking about your redemption, the next time you take communion, you should be feeling exactly like her. Like, wait, wait, what? God's only son? Innocent? A king? Came to die for me? What price did he pay? He bled from seven places. That's the price he paid. He bled from his head. He bled from two hands. He bled from two feet. He bled from his back. And they stuck him with the spear, and water and blood poured out because his heart had burst to cleanse us from our sin and pay the purchase price and redeem us so that we could be eternally present with God at home. Amen? That's how we have to think about it. You see, guys, your Christianity doesn't mean anything to you unless you know the cost that was paid. So my redemption is costly. Let's look at the second dynamic of this heavy price. Ephesians 1, 7. Ready? In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The second thing we have to internalize about our redemption is that my redemption is generous. So generous. You ever been on the receiving end of someone's generosity that you had nothing to do with? I have. I certainly have. But you know what? It doesn't even compare. As generous as people have been with me, with their time, with their talent, with their resources, nothing compares with the generosity of God. The generosity of God is mind-blowing. They're fine, just like they were, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're good. But then in somewhere in the, in the, in the depths of the, heart of, of the heart of God, he says, you know what? I want to know them. I want to know Chip. I want to know Andy. I want to know Gordon. Gordon. 
I want to know RC. I want to know Gary. I want to know Todd. I want to know them. I made them, and I love what I made, and I'm not going to let them spend eternity separated from me. That's the second thing we have to internalize. First, that your redemption was costly. Secondly, you have to internalize that my redemption is from a generous God, the Bible says, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The word grace means favor bestowed on the undeserving. Favor bestowed on the undeserving. Before God's grace came to me in the summer of 1982, there was no reason that anyone could write down that I deserved the riches of God's grace that came to me that, that July of 1982 in the back room of my parents' house. There is no good justification for God to, to redeem me, to redeem this kid who had done terrible things and created a lot of pain in a lot of people's lives. Why would you want to redeem that? But he did. And it became the driving force in my life. 37 years later, I'm, it's still the driving force of my life. So my redemption is costly. Number two, my redemption is generous. Let's read the third dynamic that we have to internalize. It's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Let's read that together. Ready? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. Third dynamic we have to internalize is that my redemption is personal. He took my place. Let's say that together. He took my place. One more time. He took my place. He took your place. You deserve to be up on that pole for your sin and for your selfishness. But Jesus said, I will take the hit for them. I will take the hit for every person who is in that unredeemed, permanent condition of bondage to sin. I will take the hit for them. And all they have to do is say yes to my person and my word. To, they have to say yes to me as Lord, as God, and as Savior and Redeemer. That's all we have to do. That's why it's a free gift from God. It's favor bestowed upon the undeserving. So that's the heavy price. Guys, it's okay to let the paint dry on those, on those truths because that will change the way you live. You see, the death of Jesus Christ on your behalf is supposed to change the trajectory, not of some things, but of everything, of everything. So now let's look at the beautiful results, all right? First one's in Psalm 71, verse 23. Let's read that result. Ready? My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. He has redeemed my soul. Beautiful result number one. Say, Kenny, it's kind of vague. What's my soul? Your soul is the essential you. Like when my mom died of pancreatic cancer and I saw her body in the mortuary, that wasn't my mom. That was a body that used to hold my mom. My mom was with Jesus. Her soul, the essential Delfina Carbolito luck, was with Jesus. The little warrior. All five, two of her. Spent three years in a Japanese prison, raised seven children. She loved Jesus. My redemption involves 
redeeming, the redeeming of my soul. That's the first beautiful result. Let's read about the second one. Romans 8, 23. Let's read that together. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we ourselves groan within ourselves, listen, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our, your soul is going to be redeemed. The essential you. Not this, you know, not this at first, right? But then you get, you do get one of these, but it's, it's, it's a new, better, improved version. It's a glorified body. Everybody say glorified body. Yeah, you got to have a glorified body to live in heaven. You can't bring this one in. It's corrupted. It suffers from its mortality, but we're going to exchange mortal for immortal, the Bible teaches. And we get a new one. It's the best version of yourself. I'm looking forward to that, all right? Third, beautiful result we read about in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. I'll start and then we'll finish together. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him, listen to this, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. Let's finish it together. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Wow. So he has redeemed my soul. He has redeemed my body. And he has redeemed me into his family. We're on a new team. Yeah, we have an earthly team. That's the family that he threw together to make us us. When you become a Christian, you become a child of God. Because he paid the purchase price through Christ for you and bought your freedom. And he said, I want you to be in my family. That's a game changer. P uh, uh, if you, when you watch stories of children who are orphaned, and they have no family, and then they get placed into a family, it's like now they know who they are. And spiritually, eternally, before you know Jesus Christ, you don't know who you are. I don't care how good your earthly family is. Until you, are, until you realize that you're made by God, for God, and you're going to God, and you belong with God in his family forever, you don't know who you are. So we're in a condition of captivity. We're stuck in that depravity. We're in need of liberty from our slavery. God pays a heavy price that's costly, generous, and personal. The beautiful results of that is that he's redeemed my soul. He's going to redeem my body ultimately, and I'm a part of his family. Now let's look at how that's supposed to change us. How is what I just talked about, what the Bible has just spoken, what God has just spoken into this meeting this morning, how is that supposed to change me, all right? Let's start with this. Being redeemed eliminates pride in me. Being redeemed eliminates pride. Think about it. It's a humbling experience to go from captive forever to a redeemed soul, a redeemed body, and a redeemed relational context forever. Humbling, wouldn't you say? Humbling for Muscan to be one day in a henna tattoo class and to have some stranger come in and pay 20,000 rupees, which she never thought she could pay, and then in three hours, she's free and she's on a train and she's headed back to her daughter. 
humbling, right? There is what we were and our identity as slaves to sin, sold into bondage, no thanks to Adam. And then there's where we're headed in that identity, which is we're headed right toward eternal separation from God forever, and then God intervenes. He redeems us. Our identity changes and our destiny changes. We go from being a slave sold in bondage to sin to a child of God, and we go from a destiny of eternal separation from God in hell to an eternal destination connected with God in heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. Is that a good thing? It should be humbling. You should be humbled. It should eliminate all pride. It's hard to take the glory to yourself when you know who you are and you know where you came from and you know what was going on. When you really get inside what Jesus Christ has done for you, let's read the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31 on this whole issue of it eliminates pride in me. Ready? It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You are the product of redemption. When you're the product of a redemption, meaning you've been rescued from a life that you were going to live, and you've entered into this beautiful, wonderful life that you now have, there is no boasting. There is no self-elevation because we know who we are. The problem is, is that Satan tries to get us to forget who we are, that we're redeemed and loved and our purchase price was paid. And he tries to get us thinking like that loser old guy that we used to be. Like, no, I'm, I'm the creator of my own destiny. I'm responsible for my own success. All this wisdom that I've gotten from the Bible and Bible study and all of this power from the Spirit of God that's come into our lives and this wonderful new community called the body of Christ that he let me join as a son of God into his family, that's just all accessory so that I don't have to follow Jesus, but Jesus can follow me. He becomes one of those little Western consumer accessories in your life, just like you have a guy who makes your coffee, a guy who does your loan, a guy who fixes your plumbing, a guy who does, like Jesus becomes just one of the many guys in your life to make your life more comfortable in this Western consumer Christianity, and he's a nice accessory. Do you know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I have Jesus too. No, Jesus was the game changer. Jesus changed everything. Jesus purchased my redemption. He's just not an accessory of my life. Jesus is my life. Jesus is my life. Let's say that together. Jesus is my life. Can you say that this morning? And can you say it with a recognition of your redemption? You see, when you know that you're a redeemed man, that the life that you have now and the destiny that you have now and the identity that you have now was purchased. It was purchased by a loving God who sent his precious son to die for you. If you don't get that, you don't get Christianity. You don't get it. Otherwise, then it's going to be diluted into something else. It's just going to be, you know, a nice routine or religion, God forbid. Man going through the motions. Terrible. That's not what, that's not why Jesus came. 
Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, when, when you have money, when you have the freedom to do what you want to do, when you, when you have stuff, you know, this is, the, this is the disease of materialism. It gives you the illusion that you're actually in control. And when you're under the illusion that you're actually in control, you become God, the one who is in control. Guys, that's a lie. You're not in control. No one's guaranteed the next hour when we come out of here. Some of you are in situations where you're not in control of what's happening to your body or what's happening to your marriage. There are things happening in this room and, and everybody watching online that, that was not a part of your plan. Amen? Amen? Happens all the time, right? You're not in control. But Satan, to get you prideful, would love to take sons of God and he'd love for them to forget their redemption and start boasting in their own abilities and their own self-sufficiency. And, their own, and it's all an insidious game to get you thinking that you're in control and that you're God. Well, you're not. And that's a good thing. Amen? I don't want you running the universe. All right? The second force that our redemption provides is that being redeemed magnifies God. My redemption magnifies and glorifies God. Him taking me the way I was says a ton about him. Can I get a witness? Like, could you say that? Like him taking you as you were? Or maybe there's somebody watching or somebody in the room where you would hear God wants to take you just as you are. You know, at the end of most Billy Graham crusades, he would have his, um, his music guy play just as I am. Just as I am, I come to thee. You know, you don't have to clean yourself up to know God and to be redeemed and to spend eternity with him in heaven. You don't need to clean yourself up. In fact, that's the point. A redeemer has come. He has paid your purchase price. And he wants your redemption to magnify him. Let's read in the Bible from Ephesians chapter 1 when it talks about this. Ready? And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's say that last phrase again. To the praise of his glory. One more time. To the praise of his glory. Right. You walk around redeemed right now to the praise of his glory, not your glory. Everything that you have because of your redemption, the wisdom that's come into your life, the life that's, the spirit and power that's come into your life, the alignment of your life, the good things in your life, as we've been talking about from Psalm 103, the healing in your life, that is all for the praise of his glory. You're a trophy of God's grace. The redemption. Where people, when people see you and they see God in your life and God working through your life and God giving you power to do things that you didn't do before, all the praise goes to God. So if you're a man of God, you're always praising God. And when sometimes as a cliche, when you get around Christians, they say, praise God. No, 
That's the right thing to say. Praise God. In fact, why don't we say it together? Ready? One, two, three. Praise God. That's right, because I'm redeemed. And, and, and I, I get to be a trophy for God's transformation story and how much he loves people. Guys, that's why when Jesus says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, that's what he means. You used to be this, and now you're this in Christ. And when people go, man, that used to be you, and now this is you. When your wife says you used to think like that and say things like that, and now you don't think like that and you say things like this, when you used to just take care of yourself and not take care of us, and now you take care of us so well, that magnifies God. And your response to whoever notices the transformation is, praise God, because Jesus is my redeemer. Right? The third way our redemption is a driving force is that being redeemed motivates me spiritually. It eliminates pride in me. It magnifies God through me. It motivates me spiritually. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ready? Let's read that together. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, in a relationship where something powerful has transpired, particularly something positive on your side, now you want to please the person who provided something positive. We want to give back, even though we can never repay the riches of God's grace through Christ in our lives. We can never give God back all that it cost him for our redemption. All he wants us to do is to live for him and to let our life be a thank you. But we can disappoint. That's what the Bible teaches. Meaning that he has poured the spirit of his son into our hearts and we can say no to that voice in our lives and serve ourselves. There are some of you sitting in this room, that's your condition right now. God hasn't left you. You're still going to heaven, but there's fracture in your relationship with God. And that, that grieves anybody in a relationship when someone chooses someone else besides them. It grieves a spouse when someone chooses someone else besides them. It grieves them, right? And the same is true for God. In fact, in the Bible, it talks about how when we choose to, to get meaning and purpose and fulfillment through someone else after our redemption, it grieves the heart of God. When we just go, yeah, I know you're all that, but I'm going to choose the world to satisfy me. I'm going to get my juice over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get stuff, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my life around you know, my possessions and then how much fun I can have and, and just becoming important and visible and having a big following, right? And God just like, oh. why? Because he has a heart and because he loves you and because he's sad that when you turn to those things, it's not good for you. It'll lead you back to Egypt and back into bondage. And it won't grow your character at all. In fact, you'll digress in your character when you commit to that kind of lifestyle. So being redeemed motivates me spiritually. It's like, no, I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to choose what God's spirit says to do. Fourth, being redeemed shifts all my choices. That's kind of the logical next step. If I'm motivated spiritually by my redemption, I'm going to make different choices. That's what the Bible says. What it says in Titus 2, let me start it and we'll finish it together. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us 
from every lawless what? Deed. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Let's finish it together. Zealous for good deeds. Wow. That's energy. That's what we're talking about. Our redemption is a driving force. It shifts our choices. We're so grateful to God for what he's done. We want our lives and how we think and how we choose and how we live and how we relate to give glory to him. And we become zealous for good deeds because God is good. We're zealous for good because God is good. You know how it's naturally put into children to please their fathers? Even if the guy's a tool. It's put in the hearts of children to please their fathers. They idealize their dads, whether he deserves it or not. And they want to please him. They want to please him. They're zealous to, to get his approval. I remember when Kara was little, she's 27, back when she was like four or five, I remember her putting on her Disney princess gown. Any of you guys have daughters that, where they owned at some part of their life? They were part of the Disney machine, you know? And I remember she had the little fake, you know, faux jewelry and the big long hair. And she had her Cinderella dress on and her hair was up. I remember working in the office at home and, and I hear this. <coughs> She's four years old. <coughs> And she just, I, I kind of turn in my chair like this, and, and she's just like. <laughs> and I just went, oh, you are a vision. See, she's zealous to please me. Are you zealous to please your father? Where you would like. Just to please him. Just to please him. Can't earn your redemption back. But just to, you know, whether you're worshiping the Lord at the weekend service, whether you're serving the least of these in your community, whether you're writing a check because your heart is so full of grace that you want to be gracious and generous like God was gracious and generous with you, or whether you're doing the dishes at your house and you're serving your family and you're making a place where they can enjoy life because God made a place for you. He made room for you in his family through Christ. Being redeemed shifts all my choices. Next, being redeemed produces praise. I think this is the natural outflow of, of eliminating pride. You can't praise the Lord the right way if there's pride in you. You can't magnify God unless you're redeemed the right way. You're not motivated to praise and worship the Lord spiritually unless you really get your redemption. And all your choices are, are a praise back to him. You please him. Pleasing God is worship. But being redeemed produces praise. Let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 68, and I'll unpack it a little. Ready? Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. All right, circle redeemed them and praise be to the Lord. There is a causal connection to your redemption by God and your magnification of God. And the only reason there's no energy 
in your magnification of God is because you fail to remember your redemption by God. That's why Satan wants you to skip that quiet time where you sit with God and you are aware and present that he's him and you're you and yet he condescends and he comes to you and he speaks to you and he loves you and he forgives you and he fills you with his spirit and there's a witness of the spirit. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that you're mine, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter eight. You see, when we forget our redemption, our magnification suffers, but when we are with God on a regular basis, and we were reminding, that's why Jesus gave us two great church traditions to carry on always, baptism to remember our salvation, and communion to reflect on and remember our redemption, because it's something that we're never supposed to forget. That's why we do communion. Next time you take communion, you have to remember Jesus with his guidance said, you know what, whenever you do this, everybody say, whenever you do this, whenever you do this, Whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember the purchase price. Remember this. You see, when we forget, our worship of God suffers. When we remember, our worship of God goes up. You know, here at Crossline Church, they make fun of uh, the, the pastoral team here, J.P. Jones, Greg Monk, and myself. You know, Greg has the carry the TV worship style. No, he's carrying a big flat screen, and then and then and then JP is uh, he's he's stepping forward and he's like an arrow in worship. He's always going like this, and then they call me the fist pumper because I'm always going like this. You want to know why we do that here at Crossline Church? Because we're so overjoyed that we're redeemed. How about you? How about you? I don't get it. I really don't get it, guys that we can cheer on a college alma mater football team and run around the house like silly, crazed, deluded, psychotic football fans because our team has won a temporary game with a temporary result. And I do the same thing, trust me. But in church, we can sit there. When we're redeemed people and stand there like this, like when, when are they gonna stop singing? Because there's a pastrami sandwich waiting for me at the end of service. No. We have energy for worship. It produces praise. I'm a redeemed person. When you come to church, you get a chance to actively, with a bunch of other redeemed people whose freedom has been purchased, you get to worship with a bunch of other people who were caught in slavery, the slavery and bondage of their own sin, and you guys get to rejoice together in jubilee. Amen? So guys, next time you go to church, why don't you just shock someone by getting, giving a little energy back to God because he certainly put a little energy toward you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look at the last way that being redeemed is a driving force in our lives. Being redeemed activates awe. Now, that kind of is an automatopoeia, two A words. It activates awe and wonder in us. Um, I don't know... Think about right now with me, one of your favorite places to be outside. Maybe it's on Lanakai Beach on Oahu. And you can see the two little islands out there and the, the beach is white and the sun is coming down. And you are in awe. Maybe it's on a mountaintop. And maybe you're, you're overseeing, looking over a mountain range and maybe there's some snow up there and there's some green and there's some trees and and you're just like in awe. 
or, or maybe it's just a lake. I don't know what your place of awe is, but you know what's so interesting is that we spend billions and billions of dollars to put ourselves in a position of awe so that we can be in awe and wonder over what God has made, but we're not in awe over ourselves and our own redemption that he has made us and he has beautifully saved us. Look at what it says in 1 Peter. Ready? Let's read it together. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Circle that. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, but with the precious blood of Christ. So do you get the picture? Your redemption is supposed to create this sense of awe and wonder and reverence where now, because that's happened to you, you're just like, you, you feel like David felt when he wrote down in the Psalms, who am I that you should think of me? Who am I that I wake up? There's seven billion plus people in the world. You got a lot on your mind, Lord, and yet you're intimately concerned with the issues of my life. That is awe-inspiring. That beauty that we see is great. And that should put you in awe because he calls into being things which don't previously exist. He spoke and it was made. That's awe-inspiring, right? But our redemption, the buying us out of our empty way of life into the way, the truth in the life, the abundant life, the spirit-filled life, that should make you even, that should take your breath away. And you see, all I'm doing right now is I'm just reminding you of what's true about you. I'm not telling you anything new, guys. All we're doing right now together is we're letting God's word speak why we should be renewed like the eagle, why we should be living in a different dimension versus in an earthly dimension while we walk on earth. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits who forgives all your sins, amen, who heals all your diseases, amen, who redeems my life from the pit, amen. We'll get to the next two in the next two weeks, but that last prepositional phrase, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. All of a sudden, that redemption, that forgiveness, that healing, Man, that lifts us up. That tells us who we are. No matter what's going on down here, that's who we are. That's who we're going to be. That's where we're going to spend eternity. And between that moment and when I go to be with God and experience the completeness of my redemption, God wants my redemption to be a driving force in my life. Reverent fear. So God has spoken this morning very clearly through his word. I love teaching God's word because it reminds me of the truth about me. And as we close in prayer and before we get to some discussion, I just want to pray. This is your time. Put your pencils down. Put your notes down. Just get your, get your mind right for just a second, okay? I know there's lots of stuff going on out in the world. I know you got a busy life. I know that there are relationships and burdens and responsibilities out there. But can we just give the next minute or so uniquely to God? Father, we... I want to thank you that you redeemed us from the pit.
of captivity. There was no way out. We were stuck and we needed liberty. We needed you to change our condition permanently and you did by sending Jesus and we we remember we remember just how costly that was the redemption that came through your son through the shedding of blood Jesus 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 what can we say what can we give back what can we do lord thank you that because of your willingness to sacrifice and your generosity and the personal love with which you came, Jesus, that our soul, our body is redeemed and we get to be in your family forever. So Lord, help us never to listen to that silly voice of pride that lifts us up. Instead, fill us with the awareness, even now as we pray, that we have been adopted into your family through the redemption that came through Christ and let that be the driving force And Lord, we want that redemption to give you glory. We want that redemption to to motivate us to make some new choices today. God, I pray for every man in this room that needs to make a new choice. Lord, I pray that him thinking about what you did in him and through him and for him would motivate a new choice today. And when people notice the new choice, that that would produce praise for you. That he would give you praise that he would give you credit, that maybe a praise God would come from his lips because I've been redeemed. God, it is awe-inspiring who you are and what you've done. Let it transform our lives forever and ever and ever through Jesus, our Lord. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, you got some questions to work through at your table?